This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. We are continuing our Love Does series this morning. This is actually the final installment of that series. So we're kind of landing the plane, summing the whole deal up today. And so if you missed any of it until now, you can check it out on the podcast. It's uh, centralchurch.cc slash podcast. And um, all the weeks are up there. And so you can check it out. And so basically what we're doing in this series is we're looking at this question, this idea of what does it look like to live love? What does it look like to be love in action? What does it look like to put love on every single day and walk in that every single day? Because we talk about it, we sing about it, the Bible talks about it, but how do we practically put that into our lives? How do we practically respond and live every day like living love? And so we looked at Micah chapter six, verse eight, as sort of our foundation verse for this series. It's kind of been the springboard for each Sunday that we've kind of jumped off of to kind of guide our thoughts and guide our discussions. And so in Micah chapter six, verse eight, it says, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. It says to do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. And so in week one, we kind of broke this thing down and we said, we talked about do justice. And so Pastor Rich shared about that and he, he threw out these two concepts that were paramount to doing justice. And it was proximity and it was empathy. And so make sure you check out the podcast to, to get caught up on that stuff. Week two, we talked about love, mercy. And we talked about justice is very popular in our, in our vernacular, but mercy, not so much. It's not so commonly used. And so we said, how do we love mercy? Well, we receive the mercy of God that he's given to us. And then we reflect that to others. And so to fill in the gaps, check out the podcast, get caught up. Um, last week, we continued the series where we focused on walk humbly. And we talked about how James tells us when he's writing his letter to uh, God's people everywhere, he says, listen, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And he says, you know, that we need to lean in to God and that as we draw near to God, God draws near to us. And he says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. And so we talked about the importance of humility, the importance of walking humbly. And so now today we're going to land the plane and we're going to sum the whole thing up with this idea of with your God. What does it look like to do life with God? What does it look like to do life with God? Because here's the deal. I don't know if this is the case for you, but for me growing up, there was a huge disconnect between church and life. There was a huge disconnect between like the church world and then the regular world. There was a huge disconnect between my church clothes and my regular clothes, right? There was a huge disconnect between these two things. It was really, really crazy. For instance, maybe some of you experienced this, or maybe you grew up in a more normal house than I did, but I can remember Sunday morning, there must have been something in the water, something in the air, or something, because that meant that my parents were going to fight all morning. It's just, it is what it is. Sunday morning was like, ding, 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 the bell, you think the alarm went off, but that was the bell ringing for the gloves to come off, right? It was intense. They would fight all morning, whether it be, uh, no, the kids are not wearing that to church, or yes, they are, or my dad somehow would always end up in the car before my mom, right? 
And so he's like honking the horn. Come on, we're going to be late. He's got to get to choir practice, right? Because they had choirs and all that stuff. And so all this, this, this animosity, all this frustration, maybe it never dawned on him that maybe my mom was behind because she was getting all of the children ready while he was getting himself ready. This was a common uh, occurrence and a common discussion on the way to church. I say discussion and I use that term very liberally. It was a yelling, screaming, fighting match. And so they're fighting and, oh, you're such a jerk. Oh, you're such a jerk. And then we pull in the parking lot and the greeter goes, welcome. And they go, good morning. God's good. Hallelujah. See you inside. Amen. All right. All right. And then they roll the window and be like, you're such a jerk. I can't believe you. And then they get out of the car and they're like, Walking into church, right? And that was, am I the only one that experienced this growing up? Or did other people, other people, yeah? Okay, so you experienced this too, right? It's like all hell would break loose on the way to church, right? And it would be like borderline fists flying, you know? And so all this is going down. And then we get to church and my dad's singing in the choir and on praise team and my mom's singing and serving in kids ministry and life is good, life is happy-go-lucky. And then we'd go to Chi-Chi's after church and life went on, Right? Come on, right? Y'all remember Chi-Chi's? Amen, hallelujah. There was one like 10 minutes from our church, so we'd go to Chi-Chi's every Sunday. Loved it. Probably because we had a bunch of kids and it was like free chips and salsa, I don't know. Um, Really, they were just cheap, cheap, right? Um, So there was this disconnect to me between the way my parents would act on the way to church and then the way they'd act at church. And so it kind of psychologically made this separation for me. Or I would show up to church and everybody would be wearing suits, For some reason, they were always cheap suits that were too big for them, but they were always wearing suits, right? And then you would see these people outside of church, and they were never wearing suits, ever. It was like they had to, like, put on a certain thing over here at church, because this is church world, and then over here, they're working in, like, machine shops and factories and mailmen and and post office and all that stuff, But, but over here, they wear suits, but over here, they wear normal people clothes. So it's like church world, normal people world, and there was this segregation, this separation between the two, right? And when we were at church, it was all about God. And people used Christian language and, you know, they called it Christianese and they would say these words and these ideas and, oh, yes, and everything in response was, oh, yes, amen, yes and amen, oh, glory, yeah, hallelujah. They never said those words in real life, ever. But when they're at church, that's all, it was just like they were flowing out of, like King James took over their brain and started speaking, Right? But then they get out in a real world and they don't say any of this stuff. They don't do any of this stuff. They don't act like this. And so growing up, it was so just confusing to me at times because there was this separation between faith and life. And so many of you guys probably experienced a lot of this yourselves, especially if you were raised Catholic, right? Because you go to Catholic church and it's like very like, you know? And then the rest of the world, you're just like, oh yeah, whatever, but... But at church, we're very, you know what I mean? And so there's like this disconnect between how does this like match up with my life and how does this kind of speak to this over here and how do they sort of come together? It's like super solemn and high church and stuffy. And then regular life is like, that's the only place where that's required is for you to act like that is at church, right? And so there's this disconnect between faith and life. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to spend a few moments looking at how do we spend life how do we do life with God? How do we kind of close that gap? How do we not keep it a chasm between our faith and our life? How do we build a bridge there and marry the two so that we're doing life with God, like it tells us to in Micah 6, 8? So let's pray together, and then we'll jump in. God, thank you so much for this morning. 
Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together to hang out with one another, to spend time with each other, to laugh with each other. Um, God, thank you for the opportunity we have to sing songs of praise and adoration with each other. Thank you that we got to come together yesterday and just serve and bring what we got to the table to just fix up this building that we call home, that we use as a place to cultivate our culture and our community. God, I pray this morning that as we open your word that you would allow it to speak truth to us. I pray that you would soften our hearts and that you would open our minds. You'd make us receptive to what you have to speak to us and to teach us and where you want to lead us this morning. I pray that we would encounter you and that we would leave this morning encouraged, we'd leave this morning challenged, and we'd leave this morning changed. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. So another uh, funny thing about growing up for me, um, I went to a church right down 12 mile down here. I don't know, you guys may have heard of it. It was called Evangel Temple back in the day, and then it was changed to the Tabernacle, and now it's like something to do with World Harvest International Ministries or something, but they're located in Warren, so it doesn't make sense to me, but that's what they're called now. And here's how you might recognize it, though. If you drive behind it, it's right across the street from Macomb Community College at like 12 in Hoover, 12 in Shane or something like that, and you drive behind it, and it looks like a KKK hood. Have you guys seen it? Do you guys know what church? It's kind of famous in this area. It's got like two stained glass windows for the eyes. It's super creepy. And like the doors look like the mouth and then the hood goes up. It's, if you haven't seen it, it's right across the street from uh, 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 Macomb Community College. Go take a picture and then like tell them to take it down or something. I don't know. But because um, <laughs> it's really creepy. But I, I grew up in church over there and it was crazy to me because we had a balcony a lot like this room and we had a sound booth way up at the top. But the sound booth was like probably nine feet high and people sat in the top of it. And I kid you not, growing up, for some reason, I thought that God lived in that sound booth. I'm I'm not kidding you. I thought that God lived up there, right? And then I thought coming up that we would go to church to hang out with God, right? We got to go to church. That's God's house, right? Because you weren't allowed to run in God's house when I was a kid. If you notice, kids are allowed to run here and go crazy here. Do, Do you guys notice that? It's because I'm scarred from a childhood. And I'm like, yes, kids can run. Yes, kids can go on stage and break things. Yes, it's okay. We'll buy new things, right? <sighs> can you tell I'm still a little bitter? I'm still dealing with some stuff. So I thought God lived up in the sound booth, and I'm not kidding. It was this weird thing. I thought we'd go there and we'd worship God and we'd learn about God, and then we would leave on Sunday and God would stay there. And for some reason, I don't know, maybe I watched Wizard of Oz as too, too young as a kid, but I thought God had this like crystal ball and he was like watching me all, all week. And like, if I'm being bad, he's like, mm, I'm going to get him on Wednesday. And then I'd come to church on Wednesday and God would be there and we'd interact and we'd hang out. And then I'd go back to my regular life and then come back on Sunday and hey, God was here again. It's God's house. This is where he lives. And so that was kind of my mentality and my perspective coming up. And it's easy to kind of laugh this stuff off and you're like, oh yeah, Sam, you're such an idiot. But the reality is... the reality is many of us live like that. See that gut punch there? I'm like, joking, joking, gut punch. Many of us live like that, right? We get to church and God is like important and awesome and we talk about God and we think about God and we sing about God and we respond to God and then we take off from church and we're back to life as normal. And then we come back Wednesday and oh yeah, God, oh, what up, buddy? Oh man, missed you this week, what's up, And then we go back to our life. And then we come back Sunday. Oh, God, yo, I'm back. I love the donuts, man. Good looking out. Oh, we're tight. And then we go back to work on Monday, and it's back to regular life. Right? There's this disconnect. 
to where we think, you know, God's at church, life is over here. God's at church, life is over here. My religious friends are at church, my real friends are over here. Right? And so there's this disconnect that takes place and we got to kind of ask ourselves, I mean, I'm not saying that we're like crazy off the rails. I'm not saying like we leave Monday and we're like, yeah, I'm a total drug addict on Mondays, but then I come to church on Sundays and now I'm totally going crazy. I'm not saying that's the case, but we need to ask ourselves, honestly, are we doing life with God? Are we inviting God to work with us on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays? That's why we talk about generosity that way. We don't want generosity to be something you do something on Sunday mornings. We want to go with you anywhere and everywhere that you go. Same thing with God. Are we doing life with God? Are you doing justice with God? Are you loving mercy with God? Are you walking humbly with God? Is God part of your everyday life? Are you cleaning your house with God? You know, are, are, are you grocery shopping with God? Are you going to the post office and running errands and going to the bank with God? Are you parenting your children with God? Are you a husband to your wife or a wife to your husband with God? Are you a boyfriend or a girlfriend with God? Are you working with God? And if you're looking at me going, okay, I was with you with the crystal ball thing, but now you're getting a little too weird here. Then that's a chance. Chances are that there's a separation between your faith and your life. Because if you're not with God in everything that you do, chances are you're not doing life with God. Does that make sense? I mean, logically, it makes sense. See, here's the deal. God doesn't just live at church. He doesn't just hang out at church. He doesn't want to just desire, he doesn't just desire to meet with you at church. And it's evident all throughout scripture. One of the best places that I found this week to, to kind of illustrate this is found in Exodus chapter three, which Exodus is towards the beginning of your Bible. Uh, you know, it was Genesis, Exodus. And um, it's the story, the story about Moses, Many of you guys know who Moses is. You've either seen like Prince of Egypt or the old Charlton Heston movie. So you at least have that kind of point of reference. But Moses was this guy way, 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 way back in the day who, led, who, were, who was charged with leading the people of Israel out of slavery from the Egyptians. And so God meets with Moses. Moses, you know, he's also the dude that was in the basket going down uh, the river, right? And then he got taken in, lived in the king's court, all this stuff. And then he sees a Hebrew slave being abused. He steps in. Things go, south, go sideways real quick. He ends up killing an Egyptian guard and then he like dips out, right? And he takes off and he's like, gets married and he's tending the sheep of his father-in-law's flock on the backside of nowhere in the middle of the desert, right? So he goes from like royalty, living in the palace, doing all this stuff to the middle of nowhere. And so this is where we find Moses and Moses is, is chilling out there in the desert and he's probably a little depressed if we're being honest. And he's like, man, this sucks. And he looks over and um, he sees this like bush that's on fire. And he's like, huh, wonder what's going on over there, right? And then he watches and it doesn't burn up. And he watches and watches and it doesn't burn up. And he's like, okay, so maybe I should go, maybe I should go check this out. He's talking to the sheep. Maybe, maybe we should go check this out, right? So he goes over and he walks over to this bush and, and God begins to speak to him through this bush. And he says, he, he says, you know, Moses, this is what's going on. This is what's up. But at the very beginning of their conversation, he tells Moses, he says, hey, listen, take your shoes off because where you're standing is holy ground. And I can just imagine Moses, you know, coming from my background with all that I just shared from you, how I think God lives at church. I can imagine Moses being like, bro, this is not holy ground. We're in the middle of nowhere. It's me, the sheep and a burning bush. What? But God's like, hey, this is holy ground. You know why? Because this is where I am. 
God shows up and says, I'm here. This is sacred. This is a sacred space because I'm meeting with you. God could have called Moses to a temple. He could have called him to a synagogue. He could have called him to like the religious guy's tent or whatever, but he didn't. God met Moses where he was and says, this is now holy ground. This is now a sacred space. This is a time for me to meet with you and us to do business together. And so here's the deal. We need to stop separating the sacred and the secular. We need to check that from our mentality. We need to stop separating the sacred and the secular because here's the deal. Everything becomes sacred when you're doing it with and for God. Do you hear that? Everything becomes sacred when you're doing it with or for God. Everything becomes spiritual. Everything becomes sacred. Common things become sacred things when we're doing life with God. Common things become sacred things when we're doing life with God. And so I think there's kind of three ideas, three key concepts that we can hold on to here that can kind of help us shift our mentality and shift our approach to life, to doing life with God, rather than having a separation of the sacred and the secular, but we can kind of marry the two and say, God is with me in all things, in all things that I do, and I'm gonna keep him in the forefront. And I think the three things we need to do is that we need, it's a matter of perspective, it's a matter of posture, and it's a matter of presence. It's a matter of perspective, a matter of posture, and a matter of presence. The first thing is perspective. How does God want to use this moment in my life? How does God want to use me right now? Is that our perspective? Do we wake up in the morning and say, all right, God, it's me and you today. How are you going to use me? What are you going to do? Give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. Let my thoughts dwell on you. Let my speech be surrounded by you. You speak through me. Is that our perspective? Because that's the perspective of someone doing life with God. That's the perspective of someone who's finding sacred moments in everything that they do when they're waiting in the school line to pick up their kids from school and all they want to do is say swear words. Are they sitting there saying, let's just be honest for a minute, are they sitting there saying, God, how do you want to use me in this moment? How do you want to use this moment to speak to me? How do you want to use this moment for me to be able to minister to others? It's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of approaching every single thing that we do as we're cleaning our house, as we're watching our kids, as we're loving on our our boyfriend or our girlfriend or our spouse or whatever, or if we're at work or we're running errands, if we're at the bank and we walk up to the bank teller, if our perspective is, God, give me ears to hear and eyes to see what you want me to hear and what you want me to see, how do you want to use me in this interaction? Maybe how do you want to use me in the story that you're telling in my life or how do you want to use me in the story that you're telling in their life? Or better yet, how do you want to use me in the story that you're telling in all these other people's lives that I'll never meet or never talk to, but that are looking in on this interaction? It's a matter of perspective. It's shifting our headspace saying, God, how do you want to use me at all times? How do you want to use me in this? How do you want to use me in that? How do you want to just use me in the grand scheme of the story that you're telling through humanity? If that's our perspective, then we're doing life with God. If that's not our perspective, we need to shift our perspective. We need to say, God, how can you use me in any and every situation? The second thing is it's a matter of posture. And we talked a lot about this a lot last week with humility. It's recognizing who we are in light of who God is. And it's being dependent on God. It's taking up a posture of dependency on God. When something comes up at work, Rather than asking our friends or our spouse and 50 other people's opinions, maybe it's having a dependency on God and saying, God, what are you doing here? 
Where are you taking me? What are you trying to do here? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to teach them? How are you trying to use me? How are you trying to use them? How are you marrying all this together? It's a posture of dependency upon God. It's saying, God, use me. God, lead me. God, direct, God, direct me. God, guide me. God, take me where you want to take me. It's not saying, this is my world, and yes, sometimes I get to hang out with God. It's saying, this is God's world, and how could he use me in it? This is God's story that he's telling. It's not the story of Sam Anderson. It's the story of God. And how can God use Sam Anderson in his story? Does that make sense? So it's a matter of perspective saying, God, what are you trying to do? It's a matter of posture saying, God, I'm dependent on you. And then the third thing is it's a matter of presence. It's recognizing the presence of God, embracing the presence of God, inviting the presence of God. The presence of God is never more than one thought away. It takes one moment, one thought to invite the presence of God back into your heart, back into your mindset, back into your perspective, back into your posture, back into your life. Are we recognizing the presence of God and inviting the presence of God into everyday life? Are we thinking on God? You know, Paul instructs us, he says, pray without ceasing. That doesn't literally mean that you're walking up and you're like, dear heavenly father, I love you. Dear heavenly father, I love you. Dear heavenly father, I love you. Dear heavenly father, I love No, it's a matter of the presence of God and experiencing the presence of God and carrying the presence of God in everything that you do everywhere that you go. And in order to do that, our perspective has to shift, our posture has to shift, and we have to invite the presence of God into our lives, into our daily lives. It's a matter of perspective, it's a matter of posture, and it's a matter of presence. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, whatever your task, put yourselves into it as done for the Lord and not for your masters. Other translations say, do everything as if you're doing it unto the Lord, right? So when you're doing laundry, it's like you're doing it unto the Lord. When you're cooking, it's like doing it unto the Lord. When you're working your job, it's like doing it unto the Lord. It's like doing these things as if you're doing them with God. Everyday life. It's a perspective. It's a posture. It's inviting the presence of God into everything that we do and everything that we are. And so maybe you're in here this morning and you're thinking, okay, wait a second. Maybe I need to like bridge this faith and life thing. Like none of my church friends know any of my other friends and vice versa. Or when church comes up, you're like, oh, yeah, no, I don't go to church. I don't know what you're talking about. Right? And it's something kind of embarrassing and kind of keeping quiet. Maybe you don't deny it, but you sure as heck ain't talking about it. You sure as heck ain't telling people where you were Sunday morning at 11. Because if you were, this place would be full, just saying. Um, you know? So maybe we need to kind of marry this concept of faith and life, and stop putting on and taking off our relationship with God like a suit jacket, right? I used to give a talk similar to this in youth group, and I would bring a suit coat up, and I'd be like, listen, man, some of y'all, you're like, you put on your church jacket, you're like, yeah, I'm at church, what's up? And then we take it off, and we go to school, and we're like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 right? And I'd use it as a demonstration, but it's the truth. Maybe some of us need to stop putting on our church clothes, and then our work clothes, or our church clothes, and our everyday clothes. And I'm not talking about clothes here. I'm talking about a perspective, and a posture, and a and mentality. Maybe we need to make that bridge between faith and life. We need to marry the two and start doing life with God. Realize that they coexist and they intertwine and they wrap together. You know, sometimes people ask me, Sam, you know, you're kind of borderline inappropriate. I'm like, yeah, that's how I am in real life. I'm not gonna fake it for you guys at church. You know, it's just the truth. And any of you that know me outside of church, you know, this is me, this is it, hey. 
And those of you who don't, you're like, man, I kind of don't like going to this church because that guy's kind of a sinner. Yeah, I kind of am, you know? But there's a marriage there between faith and life. It's all consistent. It's all the same. God wants to be in all of it. And so maybe you need to bridge that gap. Maybe you need to shift your perspective. You know, God wants to use you all the time. He wants to use you all the time. He wants to be active in your life all the time. He wants you to be a messenger for him, a representative of him. You were created in his image. He wants you to bear that all the time. But you got to open yourself up to that because you can shut it down. Many of us do. But maybe we need to shift our perspective this morning. Are you looking for ways to God, for God to use you? Are you open for ways for God to use you? Do you pray, God, give me spiritual eyes, give me spiritual ears, give me spiritual thoughts. Let me know what you're trying to do in the world around me and use me in that. Are you making yourself aware and readily available to be used by God? So maybe you need to shift your perspective. Maybe you need to shift your posture. Maybe you need to walk humbly, realize who you are in light of who God is. Maybe you need to, uh, to, to, to kind of step back and say, God, you lead. God, you guide. God, you direct me. I'm here to follow you. I'm here to do what you have called me to do. Maybe you need to shift your presence. Maybe you need to invite the presence of God to be real. Maybe you need to invite the presence of God to be relevant. Maybe you need to invite the presence of God to be a consistent force in your life. There's only one thought away all the time. Maybe you need to shift some of your thoughts and invite the presence of God to be with you and all around you in all that you do, in everything that you do. For many of us, I bet that would change a lot of things. It would probably change a lot of the struggles and a lot of the battles that we fight every week. If we're consistently shifting our perspective, consistently shifting our posture, consistently inviting the presence of God, I think that could really do some work in our lives. It could really transform who we are into who we're trying to be. Maybe you're in here this morning and you just need to kind of take this whole series in. You know, you've been consistent the last couple of weeks. You heard us talk about doing justice and loving mercy and walking humbly and now doing it all with God. And maybe you just need to kind of sit back and say, God, I want that. That's what you desire from us and I desire that from me too. Can we get on the same page here? And so maybe you need to do business with God that way, but here's the deal. Bottom line, we need to stop separating the sacred and the secular. It's not two separate things here. God has called us to be in this world. He loves us way too much to leave us apart from him. Right? So we gotta stop separating the sacred and the secular. Common things become sacred things when we're doing life with God. So we need to do justice. We need to love mercy. We need to walk humbly with our God. That's what love does. That's the big picture. That's what love does. Love does justice. Love loves mercy. Love walks humbly. Love does life with God. That's what love does. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for your word, the truth, the challenge, the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray this morning for those of us in this room that just need to bridge the gap between our faith and our life. I pray you give us the wisdom to 
see where we need to change, to see where we need to grow, and not only give us wisdom, but give us courage and strength to do it. God, I pray for those of us that need to shift our perspective. Whether it be busting out our phones and typing in a reminder every single morning when we wake up, invite the presence of God, or whether it be, you know, shift my perspective, shift my posture, you know, invite the presence, whatever the case may be, if it's as simple as setting an alarm on our phone, but if it's something that just changes our heart, even this morning, I pray that we would go into our jobs tomorrow, go to our families this afternoon, go to wherever we're going, whatever we're doing, and our perspective would be, God, how do you want to use me here? How do you want to use me in this? What story are you trying to tell and how can I be a part of it? God, I pray for us this morning that need to shift our posture and realize that it's not all about us and all the answers aren't found on Google and WebMD and all that other crap, but that we would seek you and that our dependency would be on you. We would call out to you and that we would have a posture of dependency on you. I pray for us this morning that need to just invite the presence. They need to, we need to experience the presence of God and invite the presence of God into our hearts and into our lives every day. God, I pray that you would do business with us. I pray you would do work with us. I pray right now that you would send your Holy Spirit to meet with us. God, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.